temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. And Odyssey Station. The Score! The NBA playoffs are heating up. Hit and run Sundays from 9 a.m. till noon. Wisdom hits a high pop fly, shallow right. Might be a tough play. Abreu going out. That ball falls in there for a base hit. A run scores. Wisdom hustling to second with a double. The next offering swung on. Line drive, base hit to left. Wisdom's going to try to score. Here he comes. The throw by Pollock is not in time. The ball gets away. It goes back to the backstop. And Schwindel goes to second. Cubs lead two to nothing. The runner goes, bounce past the mound. Going to be a tough play. Anderson gloves, throws to first in time. A run scores. Cubs lead 3-0. Soft liner. Cueto slipped after his delivery. Was not in a position to field the ball. It squirted past the mound. Good base running by Horner, recognizing that the ball was on the ground, and he scored standing up. Jake Berger launches one deep to left, and it'll get out of here. Socks are on the board. It's three to one. It's 0 and 2 on Schwindel. The pitch. Ground ball right side. Base hit. Pass to diving Abreu. Another run is in. Wisdom around second. Heading to third. Safe at third. Run scoring single. Frank Schwindel. Cubs lead five to one. Berger with a soft liner. Hack will make the catch. And the Cubs. Take game one of this series. The road team has won all three in this crosstown series this season. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, baseball people. You've made it. Opening day is supposed to feel like this outside. We all know it is not. Most of April is theoretically supposed to feel like this. It is not. Hell, most of May is supposed to feel like this. But finally, it does feel like this. It's Memorial Day weekend. It is gorgeous outside. I suppose the clouds might give us some cover later in the day. But. The temperatures should stay great. One more Cubs-Sox game today, and then there's a doubleheader at Wrigley tomorrow on a holiday. And tomorrow is the day, Memorial Day weekend specifically, 
end of the whole month, if you want, when we're supposed to come to our first comfortable grand conclusion about where the baseball team is. Whichever team you love, whichever team you're following, or looking around and trying to gain wisdom on as many teams as possible. 60 games or thereabouts. Two months or thereabouts. Memorial Day weekend as a uh, fairly static I'm not fairly static. It is static. It's always the last uh, last Monday in May, right, everybody? Okay, I got it. Thank you, uh, by the way, to uh, our armed forces, our soldiers who have given the ultimate sacrifice. That is what Memorial Day is about. So uh, we, we recall them and uh, we thank them in absentia and honor them this weekend. But, but yeah, so this is your moment. This is your moment really this weekend to take a look at the teams and uh, think about uh, where they are. What do you think? Hey, how's, uh, how's the team doing? That team I like. Any good? <sighs> the White Sox are mediocre, people. That's just what they are. It's, it's unfortunate, um, but I wish I could tell you they were better, that things were better, but you are frustrated if you're watching, and it's understandable. They have a minus 46 run differential. They are 22 and 23 through 45 games. That is the third worst run differential in the American League. Only the Royals and the Tigers have a worse run differential. Oakland is better at minus 41. Baltimore is better at minus 33. Is run differential everything? No. You lose a couple of games, what, 16-7, 16-3 to the Red Sox. That'll ding your run differential overall. So you can look at other things. And we will look at other things. Plenty of Cubs talk on the show today, too, by the way, especially in hour number two. And then Jim Deshays uh, from Marquee is going to join us at 11 o'clock. I love talking to J.D. We're going to do some fun baseball trivia stuff, he and I, back and forth, in addition to, of course, Cubs conversation. But we do start with last night's game, and we do start even before that with kind of an overall moment taking a look around. Jed Hoyer spoke yesterday about the Cubs and tried to be more transparent. He took on that phrase very introspectively and directly. That was interesting. But back to the White Sox for a moment here. Because we'll talk about pitching. We'll talk about managing. We'll talk about bullpen. We'll talk about front office expenditures and a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll talk about specifics from last night. I know A.J. Pruszynski called out Tony La Russa on national TV with Len Casper sitting right next to him, and justifiably so. But just remember that the way this whole thing was built was that the offense was supposed to be good enough to mask all the other flaws. Yasmani Grandal can't control the run game? Eh, it's okay. He hits great. That's why we got him. Um. Tim Anderson, an improving but imperfect shortstop, that's okay. He hits like crazy. That's why we got him. It's okay. And we got enough. Um, Josh Harrison, really just a contact guy and maybe, you know, tailing. We haven't really solved second base. Leary Garcia tried Cesar Hernandez last year, whatever. That's okay. Everybody else is going to hit well enough. Andrew Vaughn having to play out of position, left field, now right field, plenty. Uh, it's okay. He hits well enough, and everybody else is going to hit well enough. It's okay. Got four or five different guys who can play DH. It's okay. We'll hit enough. We'll hit enough. Got to withstand Dallas Keuchel for a little while. 
up until the moment he's DFA'd, no big deal, we'll hit enough homers, get on base enough. And that has not been the case so far. So that was the expectation that the offense would cover everything up, and it's not. They are 28th out of 30 in on-base percentage. 28th out of 30. Now, a lot of that is due to the unbelievably low total of walks. It's crazy. Still dead last in baseball at 105 behind the Tigers, the Rangers, the Rays, who don't walk an awful lot. But, uh, yeah, 28th in on-base percentage out of 30. OPS, which is on-base plus slugging, a nice little simple number to quantify an overall team offense, if you like, 26th out of 30. 26th ahead of just Pittsburgh and Oakland and Detroit. That's where the White Sox offense is. This lineup was supposed to be great. It was very, very good last year. It is not this year. And so it is not covering things up. Last year, they were seventh in OPS in all of baseball. The whole league. Now 26th. So that is absolutely killing you. Okay? Killing you. So when you don't hit enough to overcome all the other flaws and all the, all, all the other failures... And all the little inadequacies, be it defensively or managing or roster construction, all that stuff, then that stuff just becomes so glaring, especially for you, the fan, because you think that's stuff that you can control, right? Man, if I were the manager, I could control A or B. I wouldn't hit Josh Harrison second. If I were the general manager, I would maybe wouldn't have paid Dallas Keuchel what I paid him. I maybe wouldn't have hung on this long. Okay, I if I were the general manager, I don't think I would have invested in the bullpen this much because bullpens are volatile and you put so much money out there. And then if they fail, you're like, wait a minute, where's all our money? It's out there with guys who do fail because bullpens are volatile because everybody out there in the bullpen fails every once in a while. Why are you spending so much money out there? Man, those are the things you can control. Those are the things you end up looking at and being like, man. We got troubles. So this is when, as a team, at 22 and 23, four and a half games back, with the third worst run differential in MLB, you think about big things. If he wasn't a made guy, Tony LaRusso's seat would be boiling, boiling, in flames and boiling. Is that possible? Can a boiling, can a, can a batch of boiling water also be on fire? I bet you Rick Hahn's looking into it. <laughs> no. No, I don't think he has that kind of pull. If un- Unfortunately. Sad. I don't think the GM has that kind of pull on his team, which is a crazy but true sad statement to make. Isn't that insane? It didn't the joke used to be for the longest time that like the Sox wouldn't spend money because they spent it on the Bulls or vice versa. Now the White Sox won't change their manager because Jerry Reinsdorf likes him more than other guys. Well, you know, that was the that's the dynamic when he was hired. And and look, there's there's some stuff that we've learned about Tony that maybe we've kind of always known, but it's just sort of backfiring. Tony, here, here's something that Tony really likes to do. He's always liked to do it. He likes to put guys in positions that perhaps they don't deserve at the moment, but he's showing them confidence, hopes to get them going. He hopes that the long-term benefit of saying, you know what, you deserve to hit second, or you deserve this inning, or I believe you 
You, the, the veteran, you deserve this inning. You deserve this shot. He tries to put people in positions that they do not deserve to get them going and to build their confidence. He has a, his hope is that when the games matter most, as the season gets towards the end, he has a roster full of people who think they deserve to be there, think they are believed in, feel emboldened, feel the confidence. I get it. I really do. That is a sensible managerial conceit overall. And over a lifetime, it has served him incredibly well. But you can lose your feel for such things, especially when you're not at the forefront of some of the data, some of the analysis, some of uh, the way that players are learning and going about things now and how other teams are game planning against your guys and such. You can lose your feel for such things. And Tony has lost his feel for such things. So much Liori. So much Gavin Sheets. So much Josh Harrison. What does it say about him, though? Like, I heard when you guys were interviewing Joe Kelly, Kelly mentioned him. He's like, you know, Lewis is the GOAT. And, you know, that's that's a comment we'll hear a lot of people say. It doesn't necessarily mean everything, but, like, it feels like the players are still, like, on his side a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, well, he, he, because he shows them confidence, because he is a coattail rider on the culture, which I said that he had to sure, be, sure. and he is. He is, um, you know, and, and and he doesn't doesn't really challenge them. They get away, they get away with all kinds of stuff. They get away with That's sloppy true. ass defense. They get away with with bad performance, and they get rewarded sometimes. They play more when they don't deserve to play more. It's not a lot of accountability. There was some with your mean, you know, some with your mean Mercedes last year. Every once in a while, you'll have it. Keuchel, Keuchel certainly had it, and Keuchel had the audacity to talk some smack about wanting to get his innings, and you knew it was over then. We'll get to him. You knew it was over then, and you knew it was over when Steve Stone started talking about it in the way that he did here on The Score, and I told anyone who was, who was listening that, yeah, it, 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 was, it was on its way. And still, I thought maybe they'd wait a little while, little while longer, invent an injury or something, but we'll talk about Keuchel. But Tony has lost his feel for such things of like showing the confidence in people and putting them in the right spots and stuff like that. And one of the examples of losing the feel was right there in front of you last night, man. Johnny Cueto, here's the thing about Cueto. Cueto at this point in his life throws it over. That's what he does. He attacks and he attacks with his stuff as best he can. Um, but he wants to throw strikes. This is what he is all about. And it has worked. The first two times especially, it really worked. Here's the scouting report that I got on Johnny Cueto from a, uh, from a San Francisco insider who watched him last year. He doesn't have a whole lot left, but if he's on and he's throwing hitters' timings off, he's still capable of a real good outing. And he has that rubber arm to go deep in games because he doesn't rely on the strikeout. But if he's a little off, he will get hit hard. And Cueto was getting hit a lot last night, early. And then he did settle in, and he gave you six. It's a quality start at that point. Six innings, three earned runs. Thank you. Now run screaming from your Johnny Cueto start. Thrilled to have gotten six innings, and three earned runs. Here's um, 
Tony Larusa on Johnny Cueto last night, how he settled down after the first three innings. I, I think early on, they just, I mean, they attacked him right in the first inning. But after that, I mean, it was that one bloop that hurt. But he settled down after that, you know, when it was three. And, you know, he did a really good job. Best part of the game was there at the end. I mean, we, about three innings, we prevented a lot of runs from scoring with a lot of really good defense. So it shows me we were still competing, which I like a lot. That's Tony talking about the defense there at the end. Yeah, there was some good defense in the final few innings. That sounds like a man grasping just a little bit for some positives. Here's David Ross talking about how the Cubs offense uh, attacked Johnny Cueto. Uh, well, I mean, I think you know Johnny's going to be around the zone, um, mixing his looks, mixing his pitches, uh, deliveries, timing. Um, you know, I think the game plan today was going in tonight to go in and, you know, see your pitch and don't wait around. Um, you know, those guys that maybe will scatter the ball a little bit more, you want to time up the velocity and see the secondary stuff. I think each game is really unique in how you're feeling, how you're feeling in the box. And um, sometimes the game plans work out and sometimes they don't. Tonight it worked out really well. But um, those guys did a good job, I think, of continuing to try to hone in on the strike zone and swing strikes. And I thought that was a pretty good job tonight. So they attacked Johnny Cueto in the zone. And Cueto talked about it after how they had scouted him scouted those first two games and realized he was attacking, so then they went right after him. Cueto gets out, um, survives six innings, right? And then the seventh begins. And if you're watching the seventh, you see nobody in the bullpen for the White Sox to begin the seventh. Nobody to back up Johnny Cueto at all in the seventh inning. You're like, what? And the Fox broadcast apparently started to question it. I was at the game. I was up there in the kids' zone with my boy and my nephew. We had a great time. And looking down, I saw Bennett Sousa and, and Foster there in the bullpen eventually. But top of the seventh, Andrelton Simmons singles. Christopher Morell lines out hard. Wilson Contreras doubles. And at this point, there's a mound visit. And finally, at this point, that action that I was talking about started in the bullpen, but it wasn't there at the top of the inning, so they weren't ready. And A.J. Pruszynski watches that mound visit and sees Johnny Cueto intentionally walk in Hap to load the bases, and Patrick Wisdom is up, and A.J. can't help himself. Infield in, and Hap takes low. See, I hate this. Because now they're going to try and pitch around him. If you, if you, and you see your ears, see Cueto looking at who's on deck. Okay, Wisdom's on deck, right? I don't believe that he's going to face Wisdom if he walks half here anyway. So why not just put him on and bring in Foster and try to get a strikeout of, of Wisdom? And he will not get a chance to swing the bat. They'll walk him. And it will be Wisdom. And it looks like Cueto will face him. I am absolutely. I'm shocked that Cueto is still in this game. I know LaRusa knows his team better than I do, Tony does, but you've got a guy like Foster that has been lights out for you as a righty. And I know there's a three batter minimum, but you got two righties coming up. How is Foster not in this game after the balls that have been hit off Cueto this inning? After the balls that have been hit off Cueto this inning. That's AJ watching the game. So, so he's watching, he sees Simmons single. He sees Morell line out hard. He sees Contreras double. And he's like, why is Cueto still in? Cueto's not a strikeout guy. Foster is. And Cueto had done his job. 
Patrick Wisdom grounds the ball, hits the ball on the ground, hits it hard, though. Tim Anderson makes a really nice play to start a potential double play. Doesn't happen. That's a run. Then Frank Schwindel singles off Cueto again. That's a run. Suddenly it's 5-1 to one instead of 3-1. to one. Big, big deal. Here's my biggest problem is Tony La Russa after the game. You heard what AJ just said after the Rockets hit off Cueto. Here's Tony. Quote, just watching what he was throwing, he made his pitches. He fell behind in the count but wasn't missing by much. This is Cueto in the seventh he's talking about. He was like he usually is. Other than the first inning or so, they didn't really center a lot of balls. He gave us a chance to win. That's him. That's him, according to Daryl Van Scowen. That's Tony on Cueto in the seventh. What are you watching? What game are you watching? It's a thing, man. Watch the contact. That's what managers do. That's what pitching coaches and managers do, how they're supposed to collaborate on a change. Hey, are they hitting him hard? Are they on him? Oh, they are? Okay, well, let's get somebody up quickly. Or are they, are they on him? Yeah, they're hitting him hard. Okay, well, we need a strikeout. He's not a strikeout guy. Let's go make a move. Crazy. Again, to start where I started at the beginning of the segment, Sox offense was supposed to cover all this up. It's not. It is not. But then you get to the other stuff. And you get to the roster construction, the lineup construction, the managing, the bullpen maneuvering or lack thereof. And they're not good enough infrastructure-wise to make up for an offense that isn't performing. So, look, there's plenty of blame to go around in the pie. But, man, poof, manager's bad. Bad. Offense bad, manager bad. Phone calls, you guys, if you want, 312-644-6767. That's the phone number. Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Network is going to join us at 940, talk some White Sox. Jim Deshays at 11. Uh, some big picture stuff from Jed Hoyer and a, a news insider at the top of the 10 o'clock hour on the Cubs. But right now, your calls and your texts, welcome on Hit and Run. The Tech Zone is brought to you by Al Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com, and you can text at 312-644-6767. Speaks with you on a Sunday morning on Hit and Run. Hit and Run, Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Backhanded by Anderson. Jump throw to second. The throw over to first. Not in time. A run scores. Wisdom gets the RBI. It's a great song. Music from the city of Chicago today. Try to feature bands from the towns of whichever the baseball teams are playing. They're playing each other. Oh, see, I could just sing the whole thing. Just play it and I'll sing it. And we won't talk sports at all. Oh, we'll just smile on a Sunday morning, breathe deeply on a beautiful day until the teams start again. And some frustration begins, but not really frustration for the Cubs fans this morning. Good morning, everybody. Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. Keegan Thompson, here's the thing, man. Keegan Thompson's been really, really good. Look at the numbers on this dude. Look at the way he has shown up every time whether it is in a bulk appearance in relief or as a starter last night. Keegan didn't even think he was good last night. Keegan Thompson said, quote, I feel like I was kind of all over the place, not really hitting a ton of spots. I just got really lucky. I think they missed some pitches in the strike zone. I didn't hit a ton of spots, got away with a couple of poor pitches. He um, found a lot of confidence in getting through the outing, even when the stuff wasn't working. Because then when you're hitting spots and doing what you're supposed to be doing, then you feel like it's going even better. So I just got lucky tonight. 
That's got to feel good, huh? For a White Sox offense expected to be great. That is not great. Gets shut down by Keegan Thompson. Then he says, I wasn't even good tonight. I wasn't even good. Oh, man. He's been he's been really, really good overall. And that is an excellent sign. And you got to take him where you can get him when you're the Cubs. Uh, next hour, some conversation in depth about a transition that I think is approaching. And we'll talk about what Jed Hoyer had to say before the game last night. But right now, your phone calls and your texts at 312-644-6767. This is Paul in Valpo this morning on Hit and Run. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning, Matt. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, DFA and uh, Keiko, I think, obviously was the right thing to do. But uh, to a bigger picture with the White Sox, I mean, we saw the window close so quickly with the Cubs, uh, you know, and obviously it included in the World Series. But two playoff appearances, Keiko was supposed to be the veteran that was supposed to, you know, guide this pitching young pitching staff that's probably maybe not as young as it once was. And now he's DFA'd, and not that I mean they can't be replaced, and obviously you're piecemealing with a guy like Cueto, but – Without Keiko, and you know they kind of wasted contract on him with two divisions, but no World Series to show. Could this window close a lot quicker than a lot of people think? Oh boy, you know it, it's it's a scary thing, but they're still loaded with position players under control. Now, I'll tell you what would really hurt things is if Yuan Moncada is this guy bad and hurt all the time. That would really damage you. You desperately need Moncada to be an on-base percentage machine, really an OPS machine. But a lefty bat against right-handed pitching who just terrorizes them is what you need him to be. You needed him to be, wait for it, Rafael Devers. But he's not, so the Red Sox kept Devers instead of Moncada. One day maybe I'll stop comparing them, knowing that they were both sort of in conversations in regards to the Chris Sale trade. But, man, that's the kind of thing that can really damage the window. Eloy Jimenez being a guy who's every season so far has been damaged by an injury and yet to realize the potential. Those things can really, really hurt you, and I think they are right now. You know, the Keuchel DFA, it's just dollars now. And I think you're going to be fine in surviving this season without him because of Cueto, because of Vince Velasquez, because of Davis Martin being able to come up with a spot start every once in a while. You're better off without putting Keuchel out there. And soon Lance Lynn will be here, and you'll have to have even less of the aforementioned Troika. But, man... Some bad managing and some inconsistent team building that coalesces with the managing can really hurt you, too. I don't know what the hell Tony La Russa is doing with Ronaldo Lopez, but I really don't like it. You need multiple pitchers, especially in the beginning of a season like this with a shortened spring. You need multiple pitchers capable of giving you two, three innings out of that bullpen, maybe even the occasional three or four innings out of that bullpen. That was Keegan Thompson's role, right? I guess that's now Vince Velasquez's role. But Renato Lopez had shown you that he could do that. Tony La Russa has turned Renato Lopez into Jose Ruiz. Like another guy. It's turned him into Matt Foster. Renato had, had proven to you last year that he could be a real good long man spot starter. 
bulk innings guy. I'm telling you, that game, the third game against Boston, is that Thursday night, when they came back and made it 7-5 and Reynaldo was in there, and you're like, oh, boy, that's the kind of game that you put at Reynaldo Lopez and you let him stay there. Let him stabilize a game for three innings. Let him, let him throw five. And then he's on a regular rotation after Keuchel's DFA'd, and you could use him in four days if you want or rest him or, or, or however you do it. But you got 14 pitchers on a staff. You need multiple guys in today's baseball who can do that for you every once in a while. Your bulk guy, right? Shouldn't just be one. And Lopez had shown the ability to be that guy. I'm very confused as to what his role uh, might be. So, look, this is, you know, a texture says they need Grandal to be Carlos Santana. Yeah, man. They, they really, Grandal and Moncada are just absolutely killing them right now. And remember that Grandal needs to be terrific offensively to make up for some deep defensive shortcomings. Deep. The run game is just, you know, whatever people want against Grandal. Although the White Sox did get somebody, they got, <clears throat> they got wisdom at the plate, right? They, they got wisdom at the plate on one of those um, double steal attempts with a guy going to second and then T.A. cut it off and came home, and that was nice. So they controlled the run game that way a little bit. But Grandal, brutal. Nico Horner stealing a base and moving over on a wild pitch last night. I don't think he came around to score late in the innings, uh, late in the game when they were looking for insurance, but it's that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, my God, look at that. And then this, uh, a, a stat that has been circulating a lot, I'll retweet it now, Jay Kuda um, who comes up with some very good White Sox stats from time to time, circulating the batting averages for the pitchers, batting average against for White Sox bullpen guys for the most part. Not, not all bullpen, but it's everybody. When they pitch to Grandal and when they pitch to McGuire. Much, much worse when they pitch to Grandal. Grandal has to be elite offensively to be worth that contract and to be helping you. And it's not happening. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. <clears throat> and um, you're listening to, uh, to Hit and Run on the score. Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Chicago and from the Sox Talk podcast is going to join us in a little bit. And we will talk some White Sox and try to figure some things out. Um, I will talk to you about Dallas Keuchel, what there is to be learned from John Lester in regards to Dallas Keuchel's failure. There is a connection there. I was listening to um, one of the best pitchers in the game talk about his evolution. That is incredibly instructive overall. So we'll get there. And really, anything else you want to talk about regarding the Cubs and the Sox last night? But I've got lots of stuff to get to, and I'm looking forward to it. It's a glorious Sunday morning. Regardless of your White Sox frustration, Regardless of uh, perhaps some of your overall dispirited feelings about a Cubs build, it's not a rebuild, it's a build. I'm the one who's been calling it that. We can explain that a little bit more if we need to next hour. But regardless of all of that, it's baseball season. Hope you're having a lovely, lovely Sunday. I know I am. Ryan McGuffey's next on It and Run on the Score. The Scores coverage of the Trust Crosstown Series is presented by Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable internet, only from Xfinity.
If you're purchasing a home or refinancing your mortgage, call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender, at 855-56-DAVID or visit 56david.com. SinusAndSnoringMD.com. They took care of my deviated septum, and they could do the same for you. What's up? It's Gabe, and that's exactly what happened. I was snoring at night, sleeping with my mouth open, until I hit up Dr. Swirland and Dr. Plain. They let me know, hey, man, you have a really bad deviated septum, and we could fix it for you. They could do the same for you, whether it's a sinus issue, snoring issue, you. They have a location in Mount Prospect that you can visit so they can treat you like family the same way they did for me. Check them out right now. SinusAndSnoringMD.com Hit and run with Matt Spiegel Sunday mornings on The Score. There was not a magic number of starts necessarily uh, that would uh, have been required, let's say, before we made that decision. And in fact, you know, Although we had been talking about this internally for a period of time, his starts against New York at our place and Boston at Fenway were were impressive enough to continue to give him the ball. Uh, obviously, the trends from the the last couple, uh, especially the other night, was was enough for us to say it was it was time to to try something else in that spot. It's Rick Hahn before the game yesterday. Fun when the Cubs and the White Sox get together. It just is. You know, I, I was at the game last night, and my nephew showed up with a Cubs jersey on, and then he unbuttoned it, and there was a Sox jersey underneath. So he was doubling up. Why not? It's like it's a version of the old Ray Rayner hat, right? Um, and you can you can do that if you want. If you're if you're a youngster, some people make you declare. My my wife, when we were dating, forced me to declare via text or else I wasn't getting anywhere, nowhere at all. I said, seriously, I said, you know, I'm blessed with objectivity. As a born a Red Sox fan, um, I love when, I love good baseball. And she's like, yeah, blah, 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 Cubs or Sox. I said, Cubs or Sox. And then I declared. And, you know, here I am, a, a happily married boy. So that's why you do it. Um, the hotline is brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that's where we find Ryan McGuffey of NBC Sports Chicago and the Sox Talk podcast, who gives us a little time on a Sunday morning. Guff, how are you, sir? Spigs, so good to be with you. And I, too, would have made you draw that line in the sand and declare. Right? I, I understand. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I understand. And... I wouldn't have married you, though, Guff. I don't think so. That's you know? okay. That's okay. You know, that, that, that is fine. Yeah. But uh, I, would have all, I would have made you declare. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I the jersey, well, I appreciate what your nephew's doing. Uh, I'm glad it's not the Ray Rayner hat. So, he, you know, at some point, they'll have to probably make a decision, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you and I, we don't get married, Guff, but we'll always have Twix bars. We will always. That, that yeah. forever and always. Forever and always. That's our candy. Um <laughs> You you've been you tweeted a couple times about the Sox at home. What is it? It was the other day. It was like a minus forty two run differential at home. What's what's going yeah. on at, in this ballpark? And is it the ball? Has it been the weather? Like they're just expecting the ball oh to God. fly and it does not. Is that what we're left to assume? I'm just I'm I'm done assuming, man. It's Memorial Day. Like isn't this kind of our supposed? This is the, the the first barometer, right, of the season where we're supposed to kind of declare like what this team is. Yeah. And I, I don't. It, it's just been the, the frustration at the home games have been. There's just been so many blowouts, and that's why like the run differential is a little. It's pretty misguided actually, because it's just not. 
uh, it's not an accurate portrayal of the team. They're probably more of that, you know, minus 10, minus 15 than they are the other way with the uh, staff are showing at home. Mm-hmm. It's just been ugly at home though, Speaks. I mean, <clears throat> this fan base, as you know, like it is, it is starving, drooling when they walk in to see something, to see a spark and to get behind. And it's just been, there's just, it, it's like, it's been cliff type moments where like the ball gets there and it falls and there's just, it just piles on. And even the other night, you know, I kind of felt bad for Tanner Banks having to wear that against the Red Sox because they just needed someone to, because Dallas Keuchel has had put them in so many spots like that, where you look up in the second inning, it's six, nothing, eight, nothing, 10, nothing. And it's, you're out of the game before you started it. And that's why the decision to, to DFA move on from, from Keuchel is what it is. But then there's a whole bunch of problems. I know I heard you talking about some of them earlier, but uh, it's it, to me, it's, it's you know the podium has three spots on it, and all three spots have the offense. There's definitely issues elsewhere, but when you have an OPS that is only higher than the Pittsburgh Pirates, Oakland A's, and the Detroit Tigers, yeah, that's awful. It is. It is, and 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 the construction is such that the offense was supposed to be good enough to mask anything else, um, and you know, and the the anything else has been has been problematic, but the offense is, is just brutal. What, what do we, what are we to make of, of Grandal and Moncada? Those are the two biggest defenders right now. And I don't, Moncada obviously not feeling well. The soft tissue stuff keeps getting him. I don't know whether he needs to rethink some conditioning or some of that stuff, but Grandal has just fallen off the table here. Yeah. And those are two guys that you named that are the two guys that actually get on base. And, yeah. and draw walks, and they're not doing that either. And when when you're not getting, you're not even getting replacement level plays from those guys right now. And you know, trying to just keep it like you said, Mankata on the field has been an issue. But when they're when they're on the field, it's just a bad. And I was even kind of you know, we did a, uh, a panic meter podcast a couple of weeks ago, and with Grandal, I gave it like a four or five because I've seen this before. You know, we saw it last year. And he was roughly – his slash line wasn't much different than it was when we taped the podcast a year prior. However, then things changed dramatically. And, look, at this point, you can't keep having a guy hit 150 to 170 and not get on base and not have extra base hits, not hit for power, pay him $18 million a year, and just be like, okay, it's going to happen in June. It's going to happen in July. And, look, it might. And this, and because they played in the AL Central, it might all work out. But – there's too many spotlights on big guys that aren't performing. And then it's, it, it's, it, to me, it kind of looks like eight guys are kind of looking down the line and looking for Jose Abreu again. Hmm. It's like, Oh, Jose will get us. Jose will get us. And I've, to me, early on in the season, I felt like Jose Abreu was kind of wearing that spotlight in his own struggles. Like I can't keep carrying this team all the time if I don't have it either. And at some point, I think it's realistic to say like Jose Abreu was supposed to pass the, baton at some point during this this uh it's not even the rebuild during this this window of opportunity yes. where he wasn't going to be to have to be the mvp type guy every stinking night and unfortunately right now that's still kind of where we are with the white Sox. yeah he's been that guy for so long on bad teams and then on good teams that one that you could count on you're mm-hmm. right, and 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 maybe he was wearing a little. He's been good lately, though. I think he's hitting what yeah. three fifty over the last three weeks, something like that. And the hard hit stuff has as as always has always been there during the course of the year. But man, it is it it is it is really rough. I 
I, I struggle. Um, I struggle with figuring out how they're going to snap out of it. It's um, mm-hmm. I, I've thought that the offense just you know will need to show up and 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 bombs away because the rotation has has been fine, but. I it, I mean, frankly, Guff, at any other managerial situation, that guy's seat would be boiling, absolutely boiling, and may even be launched. You know, it's like uh, when when you get to this point after the disappointment in the playoffs last year, and you're at Memorial Day, and over the next course of the month. But I continue to think that there's that there there's just no way that's going to happen managerially, and obviously it's not all on him, but. This this team needs some kind of spark. They need the new manager bump. Is 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 what it looks like they need in the middle of a season, and I don't think that's going to be happening. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think uh, people, you know, White Sox Nation and Twitter can uh, go as ballistic as they want, but um, you know, I don't think Tony Larusa was hired to be fired in this case. So uh, while there's definitely some glaring examples, you know, here, here's here's the thing, Speaks. I thought I really, really did think heading into 2022 that like all of the Tony La Russa, like uh, magnifying glass and microscope stuff would be over. I'm like, okay, like that was, that was exhausting. There were definitely things, especially early on last year that were really questionable for not just, I mean, the, your mean thing, but then, you know, the rule thing in Cincinnati. Uh, and then it seemed like as the season went on, some of that stuff, like the team took off and they like, that was kind of rear view mirror stuff. I just didn't think he'd be, the, as big of a storyline this year, I, I really did. Maybe I was, I was naive and, and, and gullible, but it, it, here we are again. And it's not just because the offense is bad. Like there's like, why was Johnny Quaid win the game last night? I, I mean, there. I feel like there's multiple moments throughout the, each week that you're sitting there going, "Huh, what's going on here?" And obviously, you and I did not play Major League Baseball, but we know the game well enough to understand moments that are, are are big at the time in a game and it just seems like as we roll on here and the team is struggling that they could lean on some leadership here and, and have them pick them up and I just don't feel like anyone's picking each other up and I feel like you know it all like we all it all starts at the top right like that's, that's what we always say yeah I tweeted last night I tweeted last night it just feels like a very uninspired baseball team it just they seem like they're uninspired and and when you're playing flat and bad and like you're never one game over 500, you're never really one game below 500. You're just kind of, you know, riding that roller coaster of back and forth and frustrating. What's funny is they're 14, 11 in May. It doesn't feel like it. No. I mean, they had that six game win streak out of the, out of the gate and it's just been, you know, lose two, win two, lose two, win two. But I think it's kind of how they're losing, even how they're winning. You know, they're winning three, one, they're winning two, nothing. They're not getting that. Like, it'd be nice to see the White Sox win a blowout the other way, where they're actually up 12-1 in the sixth. Yeah. And you're just not seeing that. You're getting dominant pitching from the starters and good enough bullpen. And, like, that's how they're winning. That's, um, and, and those kind of wins reduce anxiety for, for everybody a little bit. It lets, yeah. let, lets you take a breath, and there's, there's been none of that. You know, it's interesting to say it starts at the top, and the top is, is ownership. The top is, is supposed to be front office, but in a lot of cases it used to be, and it certainly is in this case, the top is manager. Like it becomes this collaborative thing. And then like the manager's mindset, the manager's approach to baseball becomes the identity of, uh, of the team. And that's, and, and that's, and, and Tony just doesn't kind of drag things forward as an organization. They needed, they needed some help in, in kind of helping to move things forward. Um, 
Uh, let's see. Uh, on, a, on a couple of quick specifics here, Guff. Is Renato Lopez ever going to be a long man or a spot starter now? Or what is he? What's his role? I can't figure it out. I, I, me, I would like to personally, I would, I think that's where he fits best. Um, his stuff's good enough. We've seen it. He's had success the last one plus years now, Mm -hmm. kind of in these roles when he's been in the bullpen. But I feel like sometimes for lack of a better word, we get cheated. Like Ronaldo can go out there for like two thirds and end an inning. It's like, wait, where's Ronaldo? Like, why isn't he back in here? And, uh, and maybe they don't know yet, but I, I think his stuff is still is still plays well enough to be a guy. Yeah, and uh, to be a good to be to be a and look, I think they need they might need a two inning guy right now. To be quite honest with you, I mean, their bullpen's a little banged up, and so they, it, it just seems like they've not been kind of like the offense. They've not been clicking. Like, well, one guy's hot, one guy's either on the IL or struggling, and they kind of like you know, Kendall Graven was good then he was bad and then uh, bummer went on the il now he's off and there's just been kind of a lot of that joe kelly's now back on so ronaldo lopez could be a very valuable piece if they if they just if that's what they want him to be i think he can be and then it, do you send jake berger down when luis robert Ooh. comes back i mean here's mendick but berger homered again last night he's one of the few guys just mashing when he gets a chance i uh, there's i know i would play him in second base i would i think you need you need that. Like, if Berger was one of 10 guys mashing right now, that's a great problem to have. And you can keep going, you know, putting them on the, uh, yeah. putting them on the charter back and forth. But what are you getting out of second base right now, Speaks? Nothing. I mean, why was, why was Jake Berger is a guy right now? And that's what I, I would like to see some kind of like, Kaiko got DFA'd, but like, give me something. Show me like, hey, today there's a spark, and here's what we're doing. And I don't know if Jake Berger can play second base, but I feel like he's playing third base well enough to know that he can play second base well enough to be in that lineup every day and make and make a point. So yeah, that's and, what I would do. And you're showing you're showing your team. I need guys who are producing, so I'm going to find a spot for him instead of. Putting guys out instead there. Moving up in the lineup. Yes. Instead of, instead of, hey, you're going to hit second tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Guff, uh, you've, you've done enough with me. Go away. Go spend time with your family on this beautiful day. It's Memorial Day weekend. Get off the radio, buddy. That sounds like a great idea, my man. I appreciate being on with you, though. For, only for you. Only for you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. Have a great Sunday. It's Ryan McGuffey from NBC Sports Chicago. Yeah, man. I, I like it. Burger at second. Okay. Whew. Um, there'll be some more White Sox conversation for sure, but we shift to the big picture on the Cubs in a matter of moments. And somebody said something encouraging. An insider said something encouraging that we'll get to as well. It's coming up at the top of the next hour in a matter of moments on Hit and Run on the Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.